Well, welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm James, and I'm here with my buddy Tyler. Tyler, what's going on today? Oh, not too much. Just in this One Link Podcast room, the recording studio, except we've got boxes everywhere, so I had to find a little nestling spot to make sure that we could do this podcast. <laughs> yes, that's where they say that the the noise recording sounds the best. You get the least extra feedback, least amount it's, of it's um, true. It's sound true. waves bouncing back and forth today. Yeah, definitely. Well, and we have training. Yeah, the training an explosion of focused on in our closet. <laughs> like what that's we call good it. well listeners so you may have played with your dial you may have been like man i can't hear them very well and that was actually intentional because we're jumping into a new series today and the series is working on people with deafness that all around the world people that have a hard time hearing and you got to just experience a little bit of what that's like um tyler jump us in a little bit why are we why are we doing a study on the deaf how this come about yeah. So lately we've been kind of tossing out in the idea of uh, what it would look like to send to deaf people across the world. I have a, a background in in being in a deaf family and working with deaf people, deaf churches, and that's kind of a passion of mine. So I kind of looked into it. And um, one of the people that I ran across was a guy named Gary, who used to be the uh, IMB's deaf student strategist. And so he and I talked a little bit and I reached out to you and told you about him. And we all decided it'd be a good idea to, to do a podcast over deaf people. Cause we've been doing what uh, we've done Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, we've had all over the world, but this one's kind of a uh, pun intended unseen people at times because they look just like us or they just look like the same people that are in their country. So uh, we thought it'd be a, a good idea to try to, see if we can make a podcast about this. Yeah. I mean, I found it fascinating. I'm really glad that you've kind of brought that and just added that into my world and just tell our listeners a little bit. So you grew up in a, in a family that was deaf, mother and father, both. Yes. So my mother and father uh, were both deaf. My sister and I are hearing were what you call CODAs, child of deaf adults. My mom's side of the family with my grandparents, all sets of aunts and uncles, and even a couple of cousins are all deaf as well. So I've kind of walked kind of walked this line between both worlds, hearing and deaf, ever since I was born. Sign language was my first language. So it's uh it's a part of who I am. So I, I always tell people there's a hearing Tyler and then there's deaf Tyler. <laughs> and it's very culturally different. Well it's fascinating. And I also didn't realize just how unreached the deaf were. Like you you know I see I see there's a, you know, a deaf church or I see somebody signing in church and I just assume like, hey, there you go. Everything's taken care of. I was not at all aware. Is there a statistic for rough yeah. percentage of? So there's two that I'll share. One, first, just here at home in North America, even uh, they're the most unreached people. It's the deaf people. And then uh, it kind of depends on who you ask or what organization you look at, but the deaf people uh, are considered to be like the third most unreached people group in oh, the wow. world. And only about 2%, not even 3% of deaf people around the world have heard of the name of Jesus and have come mm -hmm. to believe. And most of them are in the United States. And so it's one of those things where it's just heavy on my heart to you know hear that statistic where, you know, it's it's amazing because there are deaf people everywhere in the world and they've never seen the word 
of God or never seen scriptures or never seen the word for Jesus in their language. And a lot of them in other countries are, well, even in America are ostracized, uh, looked down upon, uh, oppressed. And uh, it's, it's one we don't think about very often unless you're in that culture, just because of how unseen, again, <laughs> the people really are. Mm-hmm. I know recently, I don't know how recently, but fairly recently, the IMB started an actual deaf affinity specifically mm-hmm. to deal with that. I hope and think that other uh, mission agencies are as well. Yeah, well, yeah it's, it's a fairly recent thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't know till you don't till you know. It's well, I'm really excited to jump in with Gary. I'm really glad you set this interview up. Let's jump in with, with him. Listeners, buckle your seatbelts on. You're fixing to learn a whole lot about yeah. a really awesome and, piece of people group. And James, one thing before we before we jump in that uh, I want to let the listeners know is a lot of times Gary and I will will say something like, this is the sign for <laughs> this word or something like that. So listeners, you're kind of going to get a little taste of what it might be like to be deaf in a, in a kind of a reverse kind of way where you're going to have to fill in the pieces of what's being said because... Mm-hmm. You can't you can't hear what they're what we're saying because we're actually doing sign language. So, with a language that's dependent on sight, doesn't necessarily translate well into podcasting. But <laughs> the majority of this podcast, you'll yeah. be able to learn and really get a good grasp of of what what it's like for the deaf affinity. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we'll find a video and of that portion of it. Maybe we'll put that on our Facebook page. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, let's jump in with Gary. Let's do it. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. You're welcome. Well, Tyler connected me to you, or us to you, and just to give the listeners a little background. So, Tyler, you are uh, what's called a CODA, right? Mm-hmm. Child of a deaf adult or deaf adults. Excellent. And then, Gary, you wound up working overseas with deaf people, correct? But you didn't but, have any deaf connections before that? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we had served previously for a long time with Latin Americans hearing people in Costa Rica, then did some mobilization here in the States with with our organization, International Mission Board, and then uh, joined our deaf affinity. And no, I didn't have deaf parents, had never taken sign language. So it was a new adventure to us. So we started learning uh, sign language in our mid-50s. Okay, nice. Let me back up a little bit and see, how did you get in, how did you get into missions to begin with? My wife and I started dating, met at church uh, as teenagers, and we uh, had a, a just a real good friendship and started praying about whether God would have us form a family together. And so we prayed and fasted, and the uh, Lord reminded her that she, he had called her to be a missionary when she was 11. Mm. Um, I'm not from a Christian family, got saved at 13. And so by the time I was 16 and we were uh, dating and seeking God's uh, will and stuff. Uh, first time I felt God called me to mission service uh, when I was 16. So got married at 18, went through all wow. the hoops, uh, college, seminary, all that kind of stuff, and wound up on the field in uh, 1981. Wowzer. Uh, nice. Served in Costa Rica for 23 years. And then uh, actually we were, uh, after our mobilization role, we were praying about what God would have us to, to do back overseas. And I was at a meeting that I had not planned on being at and met uh, the the global affinity leaders for deaf work with the International Mission Board in Richmond, Virginia. And as we had just been praying and seeking God's face, what next step uh, direction for our lives was, 
Holy Spirit just very clearly spoke into our hearts that we needed to sit down and talk with uh, with those two folks. God confirmed he was calling us to to serve death. So about uh, a year later, uh, nine months later, we moved to Mexico, started out in Mexico City, lived there for about 14 months, was learning uh, Mexican sign language. You may not know each country has their own sign language. There is no universal sign language. Yeah. Um, so... While we were here in the States, we were learning American sign, moved to Mexico. That didn't do us any good, so we started learning <laughs> Mexican sign. And then moved to Puebla, where there were no deaf uh, churches in the entire state of Puebla, which is about 6 million people. Mm -hmm. uh, so that'd be roughly uh, 60,000 deaf people in that state that had no deaf churches. So that's why wow. we moved wow. there. Wow. Yeah. I actually know uh, when from my place overseas, I think in that country, there's not even a standard sign language. Like it's by kind of by region, just what you picked up. And yeah. my wife had this really eccentric neighbor uh, before we were married that uh, he, he was trying to come up with a, a, uh, a national, national sign language. Uh, I don't know that as far as I know, that never finished. As far as I know, it's still very regional there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, and in Mexico and, and many places around the world, Unless the deaf person grew up in a capital city or a well-developed city, there are no deaf schools. Mm -hmm. So it would be true most countries that if you didn't grow up in a metropolitan area, you never went to deaf school. So you never learned the national sign language. So you don't read, you don't write, you don't speak, you don't hear, and you don't know the national sign language. So a lot of people are uh, by default using what we call home signs or signs that develop within a community. And that's, that's the only sign they have. And is it, I mean, does it develop into a full language then? No, usually it, it, takes, like... it takes a concerted effort by government authorities and educational agencies to, to promote the, the, the official establishment of a, of a national sign language. Yeah. Sorry. My, my question is more like, I'm trying to think for these people that like you're, let's say you're in a third world country, you're in a rural area, you don't, you're born deaf, not in a family of, of deaf people. And you like, do you just kind of start piece milling some signs together? And like, does it, does it, for that person, do they develop their own colloquial full language or is it like, they're like really isolated from the world is what I'm trying to. Yeah. They are, they're extremely isolated from the world. Uh, I'll just give you a quick little anecdotal kind of thing. We, uh, shortly after we moved to Puebla, some of our fellow missionaries were working with hearing people in this indigenous uh, village. It was called uh, San Felipe. Uh, discovered there was a, a decently large uh, deaf community in this little village. So he invited us to go and meet the deaf people, share the gospel with them. So we walked in, met this lady, our first deaf contact there. A uh, lady in her mid-50s. Uh, she was kind of sitting in the, the courtyard of the, the home and weaving grass mats so that she could contribute economically to the family. Another couple we were working with had developed their Mexican sign much more than we had. And so uh, Ray began to share a gospel story with Luisa. And she sat there and just had a blank stare on her face. She didn't understand any of the signs he was using, uh, which mm -hmm. were Mexican sign. Mm -hmm. um, she had no biblical knowledge whatsoever. So we left there brokenhearted, just trying to figure out, Lord, we know you love these deaf people here, but they can't do Mexican mm -hmm. signs. So we basically just kind of started using some, some drawings and graphics and pictures mm -hmm. and 
dramatizing Bible stories without necessarily using Mexican sign. And uh, when you when you see it in somebody's eyes that they get the gospel, whether they're hearing or not, that's mm. uh, one of those things that this person has just found out for the first time uh, wow. who Jesus Christ is. And so Louisa later became uh, a Christ follower. So awesome. uh, that, was, that was an exciting thing to see. Well, I know it's it's a, a very visual language. So even if they might not have a home sign, that doesn't necessarily negate the ability to understand something through their eyes through vision so mm -hmm. I, I love how even <laughs> graphics a drawing like i remember growing up being around resources that were all about pictures mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i i would watch people come to know christ just through a picture and like the bridge picture you know like these mm -hmm. these are things that we're we hearing people use all the time to try to you know share the gospel cross-culturally but it's like a a much more impactful way of sharing the gospel is just mm -hmm. through pictures or even just through a drama like a deaf person's gonna like be way more in tune with somebody moving around than somebody standing there mm -hmm. and just you know sharing the gospel just standing there it's going to be more of a movement more of a visual more of a picture more of a graphic mm -hmm. and all sign has movement to it it's not just right you right. Know, the hands it's it's face body position so even we're working with the deaf group here in the States now at the church we attend. Uh, and even though we do the Bible story in American sign, uh, it's much more vividly understood and impactful when we actually dramatize the story in the Sunday school class. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's I think I learned it was a uh, it's ASL American Sign Language is only 30 percent the actual signs. Mm -hmm. It's 70 percent everything else. Mm -hmm which is, mm. it's crazy, but that's, I mean, it really does like one word. If you express it in five different ways, it means five different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So what's it like? Uh, it's a two part question. What's it like, I guess, to, to work with, let's say two, two different people, you and Tyler, Tyler grows up. He already knows American sign language. Was that yeah, your first language? I was jealous Tyler? of those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, American Sign Language was my first language, even though I kind of joke with my parents a little bit saying, because they're deaf, they wouldn't have known if I was speaking or signing. So we just go with American Sign Language as my first language. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'm proud you. of it. I'm proud of yeah. it. I would say ASL is my first language. Yeah. And I mean, you're, well, you're obviously very fluent in two. So that's pretty awesome. If, if, so if somebody like Tyler, if they go overseas, or someone like you is, do they already, can they pick up that sign language faster? Cause they already, oh, you know what I mean? Like, it's like almost like a different dialect quote unquote of the same language. It's actually because you're using a different part of your brain. So once somebody begins to learn a visual language, whether it be American sign language or some other sign language to transition to another culture with another set of signs is a much faster transition than had they not, had that basis of a visual language. Mm -hmm. But I, I can tell you again, just anecdotally, I've been in, in meetings where, where deaf people from six, seven, eight different countries using different sign language, you put them in a room and in a matter of a few hours, yeah. uh, they're communicating heart to heart. And again, awesome. understand there is no universal sign language, but there's mm -hmm. enough, we call it a sign root system there's enough commonalities down below the local dialects or local sign languages where it's like tuning a, a radio and suddenly you're everybody's on the same frequency and communicating extremely well because it's all visual regardless of what kind of sign it is. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So if you were a student here in the States and you wanted to work with, with it would work with deaf people overseas, it would be a great start to learn American Sign Language. Oh, yeah. And, I'd say and the, so it's not like the, a... The best way to do that is hang around with deaf people. I mean, I, I, I love the fact that so many different colleges now and universities are offering sign language as, as a language option. Yeah, uh, that, That's phenomenal. But in addition to that, the very best way that I can think of to learn any language is to hang around with native speakers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, we've had a couple of folks come to the field that, that did well with their sign language courses in college and did okay on the field. But the people that came who actually had hung around with deaf people did noticeably better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's something that even deaf people themselves will say, you know, because a lot of hearing people want to learn sign. They say, come with me mm-hmm. and let me show you to my friends. And yeah, it might be a, a lot of trial and error, a lot of mess ups, a lot of mistakes oh, yeah. that make for good stories. I'm sure, Gary, as you might, oh, yeah. as you may oh, know, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but that's that's the overall consensus. No matter who you ask, hearing or deaf, the best way is to learn with Let's deaf go. people. Yeah. And, apply, and I've never met a learning. deaf person that's that's not willing to teach a hearing person sign. I mean, yeah. if, if and we've said to our volunteers before, deaf, deaf are going to see your heart yeah. more clearly than your signs. 100%. So if you go as a learner and you're saying, teach me, I want, I want to learn from you. I don't know a deaf person I've ever met that would say no. Mm-hmm. But Tyler, have you? No, no. I mean, I think a perfect example is uh, my parents and my wife. My wife doesn't is not fluent, but she is so grateful that my parents are so gracious because they she wants to learn. And uh, I introduced her to my all deaf family on my mom's side during Christmas Eve a, a year ago, and she was so nervous. Uh, but man, just watching her go for it was just so exciting. And all of my family afterwards were just saying, "We love her. She did not shy away. She jumped right in. She didn't." She made mistakes. She under she understood some things, but we really appreciated that. And so I just watched my family just, you know, it, you know, my parents and then my aunts and uncles and grandparents, like just enjoy trying to just incorporate her into the the small house for Christmas Eve that we were in and just enjoy it. And both my wife and my entire family just enjoyed that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's such an empowering moment for deaf when when we as hearing become under their leadership and under yeah. their uh, empowerment and under their culture, it's, it's an amazing thing. I, it's, I love it. Well, when, when they, when, I mean, deaf people are already under hearing culture, no matter what. And so they are the ones that have to figure out a communication system with the hearing people. They have to figure out how to get their points across. They have to experience oppression because a lot of ignorance or people that think deaf people don't know any better because they're deaf when it in all actuality like they're just like us they just can't hear and mm-hmm. so having having somebody come to them and say hey teach me i want to learn from you that just you know i mean i i can't explain how yeah it's huge that that's mm-hmm. the <laughs> that's the least best way i can explain that it's yeah. just they their eyes light up and go, yeah. And they're going to be way more patient. They're going to be way more giving and way more gracious mm-hmm. because somebody is actually coming to them instead of them having continuously daily having to go and try to figure out how to live in a hearing world. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I found uh, in my place of service, I only ever ran into deaf people one time 
it was out traveling somewhere. They had an they had an interpreter with them, uh, and it was fun. But you know, like I was using my second language <laughs> to talk to her, her to you know, so it was fun to meet him. Um, but like I didn't I didn't see him a lot. And our our country, I think, kind of had a tendency to hide people that had any sort of di- disability. Is that a typical? All, is that true. a typical? Mm-hmm. Globally true. Um, uh, the other thing is, uh, unless you see two deaf people together communicating, you don't know they're don't deaf because they look like everybody else. They dress like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the deaf globally really are a, a hidden culture, a hidden people group. And uh, a lot of uh, global cultures are what we would consider to be shame cultures. Yep. And so... A lot of third world countries, when a deaf person is born into their family, they do background studies to find out whose sin caused that deafness or or why are the gods mad or what? how did they anger the spirits? So there's always a sense of somebody did something wrong mm-hmm. that caused this person to be deaf. Even, even among Christians, mm. we were dealing with a, a hearing family. The daughter was, was uh, deaf helping her plan her wedding. And so the deaf girl went to go get her wedding dress to show it to us. She was all excited. And the sister said, hey, we found out whose sin caused my my sister to be born deaf. Mm. I went, do you have a Bible? She said, well, of course we do. And I said, grab it and look at Exodus chapter four, verses uh, 10 and following where Moses is kind of arguing with God about whether he's going to go and uh, lead the people out of captivity. And Moses was saying, I can't do this, can't do this. And and in that verse 11, God says, Moses, who makes a man hearing or deaf, lame or walking? I do. And so when we help Mm. deaf people understand that you were born not because of an accident or genetic miscoding, God had a purpose for you to be born deaf. Mm. Uh, and, and, And they see the beauty of that culture. And they understand God signs. God understands my heart language. Mm, yeah. It's an amazing thing that they've never, many times, never been aware thought of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bible story that jumps to my mind is the, uh, you know, the man born blind, where the disciples ask that very question, and Jesus is like, "No." So it's yeah. so God would be glorified. And, and very rarely do do hearing families uh, openly say, hey, I want you to meet my deaf child, or I want you yeah. to meet my deaf. It, it just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. And, and yeah. again, it's because of that, that sense of culpability. Somebody did something, something wrong, wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. to have caused this deafness when it's God's divine design. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll hit some of these, but tell me if you're a, a Westerner going overseas, how do you begin to find? I feel. How do you begin to find deaf people? Then how do you intentionally do that? I feel like I feel like Tyler Tyler will have like a spidey sense, you know, and like he <laughs> would. He'll he'll no, back up was, on it. That was me in Walmart last night. I had a spidey <laughs> sense, and I was right. I asked my wife. I said, "Is that guy deaf?" And she goes, "Yep, he was signing." I was like, "I knew it. I knew it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. See where I just yeah. So how would a person like me go about finding and connecting with them? For us overseas, the, the best thing is just be observant. Mm. Uh, because honestly, there's 1% of the, the global population is deaf, according to the okay. World Federation of Deaf. Okay. Uh, so there's approximately 74 million deaf people on the planet right now. 
Mm. Uh, so deaf people work constantly around deaf people, but because uh, deaf are not signing to themselves, I mean, yeah. that'd be kind of weird. So we don't we don't know they're deaf unless there's more than one deaf person and they're communicating in sign or we attempt a conversation and they say I'm deaf and the hearing reaction is normally oh oh I'm sorry rather than mm -hmm. hey yeah it's you know I, put up that cross put up thing. that barrier yeah um, mm -hmm. and so there's another sense of there's another time I've been rejected as a deaf person by a hearing person so. It, be observant, and if you know a little bit of sign, use it. Mm -hmm. You can walk up to anybody and say, God bless you, or mm -hmm. I want to pray for you, or what's your name, or my name is. Mm -hmm. You know, anyway, uh, another part of that is once you meet a deaf person mm -hmm. and you build a relationship with them, they will present you into the deaf uh, community. A mm -hmm. hearing person going you find one you know, and Blind 100%. into a deaf community doesn't work mm -hmm. very well. Yeah. Now, I know this will do no good for anybody on our podcast, but maybe we'll throw this video on our Facebook or something. So let's say I'm a deaf person from East Asia. You run into me. How do you, you don't know my sign language. How mm -hmm. do you begin communicating to me that, like, how, show me what that would look like. Uh, you want to start, Tyler? You want me to? Uh, you go for it. Okay. Go for it, Gary. Uh, probably or maybe, first actually, sorry. Let me, yeah. Yeah. Let's try that. Let's try it and see. Uh, okay. But I actually think it may have to be between the two of you guys because I'm. Okay, I, no, I don't fine. know enough to to act that, but I just want to see what that would look like. I guess. Well, first thing you you would do would 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 find out are they deaf? So you'd be. And if Tyler would say, then then I would probably introduce my my name. Now there's a little bit of difficulty because the letters are different, uh -huh. but. The two sign languages I'm acquainted with that would work, mm -hmm. and then I would use my sign name. Yeah. And if I understood what he was saying, I would spell it out uh -huh. with the sign, and then see how, like, in the expressions, mm -hmm. it's like I I I saw what he was doing, and maybe mm -hmm. I don't understand that happy to meet you is what it is, but like I see mm -hmm. him doing a a signed route, really, like kind of like a. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's he's Things doing are. something up, yep. but his face is really conveying smile and welcome. He's smiling, happy, you like okay, mm -hmm. and then I can understand like a okay, he's happy, he's not mad, he's not sad. Maybe I'll just copy and see, you know, and try to figure that out. And yeah. it would be the same way, vice versa. Like right. mm -hmm. maybe I would say something and then Gary would be like, Okay, I think I'm getting what you're saying. But uh -huh. and, and even if you're wrong, it's that it's that you're trying and yes, they trying. Uh -huh. uh, I would I would say <laughs> James over here is like what? <laughs> I actually I actually followed yeah seventy five percent of that conversation. Okay, uh, partly, partly because happen, I know yeah. I know I know uh, I can figure out you're talking about kids and I knew Tyler's situation and so like I know what he's saying because I, most of it I didn't know all of it but it's well, kind of interesting. I purposely threw some Mexican sign in there for for a male or, in Mexico. This is the sign. Yeah, I noticed uh, that. See, I thought that was old. Your kids didn't listen. <laughs> no, this is they're old. Saying, okay. Yeah. You're saying you have four kids. They're One old. Now they're old and grown up. Sometimes they yeah. don't listen to me because they're like, oh, you're old. You don't know. That was my interpretation. Well, this, is, this is usually they've left. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, I took I took this as they have a beard, so they're aged. Oh, <laughs> well, actually, all four of them do. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Quite, awesome. quite interesting. So, tell me some of the joys about 
about working with deaf affinity overseas, oh, deaf gosh. people overseas? We have told our our former supervisors, you know, they've messed us up for life uh, because I, <laughs> I really did not have much of an awareness of deafness. Mm -hmm. uh, I had never attempted to learn sign. But in all honesty, uh, the deaf in in many people's estimations is the least reached people group on the planet because even in places like North Africa or the Middle East where there might be a small spattering of Christ followers, those Christ followers normally don't know how to communicate the gospel with their deaf family mm -hmm. or friends. Mm -hmm. And so being able to learn enough to actually go places and share gospel with people for the very first time mm -hmm. is is beyond anything that that you can imagine. Mm -hmm. We we were planning to have a church in our home in Mexico when we were there. And weekly, uh, what we would do is meet with a deaf believer and disciple them and share with them the story that was to be shared on Sunday with mm -hmm. our gathering. Mm -hmm. So they learned the story. We practiced the story. Uh, then we have application questions we would practice about the story. And then when the deaf people would come to our home, we provided a place for them to meet and food and time of fellowship, but it was deaf teaching deaf, deaf. and mm -hmm. deaf discipling deaf and deaf evangelizing deaf. Mm -hmm. And so we we felt like we were, were more facilitative and encouraging mm -hmm. than the actual discipler soul winners, which I, mm -hmm. I think is biblical. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. Even with a with a hearing culture, you know, like you get, you want to you want to get a foot foothold, and then you're kind of discipling those first ones as they take it and run. What are what are some of the distinctives of sharing the gospel with a deaf person? Two part question: one from you hearing to them, and then what about them to their friends or their circle? I, I think. Basically, it would be fair to assume that the deaf person I'm trying to share with has no clear understanding of biblical truth. Mm -hmm. In Latin America, obviously, there's some, some Catholic influence, mm -hmm. but most of the deaf people that we saw come to Christ, even if, if their family was Catholic, they'd go to Mass. There was no interpretation. If there was interpretation, they still didn't understand what was going on. So they're Catholic because their family says they are, or mm -hmm. they're Muslim because their family says they are, or they're Buddhist because that's what the family is. So mm -hmm. I, I, the first thing I would, would say you need to assume that the person I'm sharing with has absolutely no foundational understanding of biblical truth. Mm -hmm. So you have to start from square one. Who's God? What's God like? Mm -hmm. uh, how can a holy God love somebody like me? What's sin? Mm -hmm. You know, and Tyler, you, you understand this very clearly. Being a coda in sign being your first language, we, we try to help our folks understand that if I'm communicating with a deaf person and I use a term or a word or even mm -hmm. a sign that doesn't create in my heart, in my mind, a visual image, yep. they don't understand it. Correct. So if I fingerspell, Sin. That doesn't get it. No. And, and again, as an example, with our folks in deaf, we we quickly had a group of about uh, half a dozen deaf believers, and you would you would use Bible studies and biblical materials. And so when we come to the word sin, 
Mm-hmm. You know, you ask somebody, what a hearing person, what's a visual image of you, you have of the word sin? Mm-hmm. And they just kind of stare at you. Yeah. Maybe well, often what they'll do will they'll tell you about different kinds of sin, mm-hmm. lying, stealing, adultery, mm-hmm. cheating, that kind of stuff. But yeah. but those are descriptive, those are kinds of sin. It doesn't explain what sin is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in Mexican mm-hmm. sign, to offend is if I'm offending Tyler, I'm looking at you on camera, I would do this. Okay. If Tyler were to offend me, it'd be this. Mm-hmm. So we help our deaf people understand when we sin, mm-hmm. we're offending God. Mm-hmm. Okay. And universal sign root kind of thing is if I'm a deaf person and I'm rejecting or turning away from another deaf person or somebody else, I turn my face away from them. That's that's universal. Mm-hmm. If if you want to offend a deaf person while they're signing, turn your face away from them. Yep. Okay. So sin, and this is to reject. So for Mexican deaf, we were teaching our people when we sin, this is what we do to God. Mm. Rejection. Now sin becomes a very serious thing rather than descriptors. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting to me. Yeah. What about, what about, yeah, I just think about all those terms that are, are really, uh, they're not, they're intangible things. Well, you know, like, we, pro- had, we had some hearing, yeah, pro- substitutionary death, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's easy with, with death, okay? Here's what we do. Yep, just mm-hmm. move it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Explains it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, yeah. Am I right, Tyler? Yep, sanctification, justification, all of these words that yeah. it's just like, what does that mean? And all you have to do is just say, forgive, or, you know, like, making clean being holy you know Mm -hmm. renewal refreshing Mm -hmm. and it's just like oh okay yeah that's what that means so now that i can see it now that i've got a picture here and here it makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. but we don't have enough people doing that okay quite frankly there's just not enough people trying to do that Yeah. yeah When uh, when you go in, do you like to use a lot of like story cloths or story books? You talk, we talked about pictures and visuals earlier. Basically, all of the above. I mean, if if there's if I can't find what I need, uh, there's a couple really good uh, apps on the internet. Free Bible Images is one that I download a lot of picture sets from mm-hmm. uh, and use those. If I'm if I have a deaf person that can read, uh, mm-hmm. they will help me reformat into visual images, little iconic kind of drawings. Mm-hmm. Uh, that helps. Where our organization, International Mission Board, partners with an organization called Deaf Pathway Global, and there's a Bible app that we and Bible societies and some other folks seed company are developing and right now we have a, a free bible app that uh, the goal is to have 300 signed languages in mm. uh, 300 stories in 300 signed languages mm-hmm. and so uh we're what our team does a lot of times is go overseas what deaf pathway team does is go overseas and we have what we call uh, story one camps that shows deaf people how to take the written word of god and reformat it into a story-based signed mm. uh, format. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 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 a detailed, very uh, intensive process. 
But again, the more I can spend time with a deaf person, they can help me understand their language and their mm -hmm. culture, then mm -hmm. I can help them understand scripture stories as best as I can. And then they will always do a better job communicating the story than can I. 100%. Always. 100% mm -hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, and that's the purpose. Like we want deaf people to reach deaf people. Like, I mean, you you can say, yeah, I'm going to Central Asia so that we can train up the Central Asian people to reach their own people. Like it's, it's the same concept. And so it's, we, we definitely don't want it to be a, and this is no matter where you go, like a hero kind of mentality where we're oh, going to no. come in and we're going to save the deaf or we're going to save these people. And we want to be the ones leading the charge. It's like, let's, let's train up the mm -hmm. people that, will reach their people better than we can ever re reach mm -hmm. them. Yeah. hundred percent agree there. Is there, are there distinctives about discipling a deaf person that would be different than discipling a hearing person? I, again, I would say everything that we do as an organization is story-based. Mm -hmm. If you do a literate format mm -hmm. or a word for word translation format, uh, you've lost your discipleship impact. Mm-hmm. Because because deaf culture is a story story, story mm -hmm. format, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's in the United States or Mexico or or wherever, mm -hmm. deaf learn things through a sequential story. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, if if we can disciple using stories, just like Jesus used stories to disciple, yeah. then then we're ahead of the curve. That that makes sense to me. Like my people group loved stories in general. Uh, loved to act them out. That was like a favorite. And it's it's real clear to me how you can do that more or less until you you hit about the end of Acts. Mm -hmm. What do you do for like all the letters? How does that? Uh, again, you you set it up. Um, uh, we did a story last week on Acts, and the introduction is Luke is writing to Theophilus. Well, sorry, what about? I'm sorry. I'm with Acts. Acts is still pretty storyish, but I'm thinking like Ephesians okay. or Romans yeah. or. Uh, we set it up as a story. Here's Paul, and he's here. And he's writing this story, and then we kind of do this, which is what that doctrine of that teaching is, and then we finish it, roll the scroll up, and then we give it to the messenger who goes to share it with the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So e even if it's if it's a a narrative or if it's it's a non-story format, you can still present it in a story structure, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what Revelation's like. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done much in Revelation. Uh, and again, one of the, the issues with the death that, that we've encountered, and Tyler, you, you would know more about North American culture, is there's a real difficulty for many deaf to separate symbolic from literal. Hmm. And so even last Sunday, during one of the songs, we have an interpreted worship service, but a deaf Sunday school class, so during the interpretive service, there was a song and they were using symbolism that is hearing we would understand in North America that Jesus is uh, the, the Lion of Judah or the Lamb of God. And our deaf people were going, that's offensive to call Jesus yeah. a sheep yeah. or, mm. or a lion. I mean, he's yeah. the Son of God. How dare you call oh, him something as, mm. as minute as and unimportant as a lion or a sheep. So yeah. uh, symbolism, you have to be very, very careful and explain the symbolism and what it means before you share the story. 
Yeah. Mm. That's, I mean, with words like sanctification, for example, or you've got the story that you're like, or a symbolism, like you're mentioning lamb of God, like they're going to think a lamb. They're not going to think this. And they're going to see a big word sanctification on the, on the screen and go, huh? What's that mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, we do that too in human yeah. culture. The, the sanctification, like, like I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, even like, like sometimes savior, savior is a tough one mm-hmm. because they're like, is that like savor? Is that like tasting? You know, like, mm. cause they'll, they might see that or they might connect it with something else that is not even close. And so you have to explain what this word means or set up a context and then say this is what lamb of god means this is why he is called this this is Mm -hmm. why that he's a lion and a lamb because that doesn't make sense right so or like the word savior or justified or Mm -hmm. you know i'm using these big words because like a lot that's just the commonality but like just even your simple words sometimes it just because they'll read it and they'll think of a different word than Mm -hmm. like for example savior and savor they might know what savor means and think oh taste and so jesus's taste Mm. that doesn't make sense and so you have to kind of like bookend it on both ends like hey this is a word what do you guys think it means and everybody can throw their their thoughts and then it's like well here let me give you a scripture okay and then let me explain to you what this actually means and then put the word back into the scripture and have it as story or have it as a visual. Once there's a meaning to it, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once you have the meaning, you can, the visual is going to be much more clear, mm-hmm. you know? So, cause like we can mm-hmm. say like savior in sign language is kind of like the, is the sign for save and then a person. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking save person. No, it's a, it's a person that is saving mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. somebody from something. Mm-hmm. And you, and you can go examples. You can explain you can story a father saving uh, their child from a car coming after they chase the ball. You know, the classic chasing the ball across the street. Mm-hmm. The father technically is the savior. And man, you could go four or five different ways yeah. in explaining the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and once it clicks, everybody wants to share an example. Yep, uh, exactly. And mm-hmm. that's how, okay. that's what's so awesome is you, once they get it, they want to be a part of it and they want to mm-hmm. show you, I understand. I understand. Mm-hmm. And this is awesome. Is there another story? Do you have mm-hmm. another word? Do you have mm-hmm. something that I can grab and see and share my own experience or my thoughts? And that's where it becomes really beautiful, where you're like, they get it. Mm-hmm. He gets it. She and gets that's, it. That's they when the it. application takes place. Mm-hmm. And then okay. they want to and then they want to do the storying. They want to share it with other deaf people. Okay. Uh-huh. 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 I'm gonna make a comment here that's that's that wasn't called for. But all this stuff that we're talking about that that Tyler just really, really detailed very, very clearly is that's one of the reasons why when we're in a deaf culture, we don't use interpretation. Yeah. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. if somebody is using their voice as their interpretation going on, they're going to interpret a word without any foundation or any clarification of that term. And many times, a deaf person sitting there thinking, okay, what's that word mean? And I haven't seen the next five minutes of, of interpretation. I'm still trying to figure Think out that what word. I what I didn't get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. why it's and I'm not knocking interpreters. Interpreters do a great job, 
but there's a very different a level of comprehension and application mm -hmm. when somebody that's deaf yeah. is seeing something signed versus yeah. being interpreted. Well, I mean, I was an interpreter me, uh, for two yeah, sorry, years, and I experienced that myself. Sorry, James. I That's just something I experienced as an interpreter myself, knowing that the deaf people are going to need this one word explained. But if you have a fast talker, you're yeah. like, how do I still give time to this and explain it? rather than just spell it out and go versus mm -hmm. just going and hoping these deaf people know exactly what they're talking about. We can talk about it after, but if they don't get this word that really prefaces mm -hmm. what's coming in the speech or in the, in the message yeah. or all that stuff, you've lost the deaf person, no matter how well your interpreter interprets. Mm -hmm. So that's and, a little bit more distinctive. So the other difference is when we're working with deaf, we always sit in a circle. Mm -hmm. There are no rows. It's not a lecture, not a because it's it's interactive mm -hmm. among all the deaf. And our goal is yeah. when when our deaf group disbands for the week, everybody has the same understanding of the story. I would argue that's great for hearing people, <laughs> but <laughs> when you when you when you say you don't have an interpreter, I, I'm still a little confused on what you do. Is that saying like basically like we don't sit in there with the preacher and listen to the message and, and translate it. Like we, we sit in our own group and tell the story. Is that, is that kind of what mm -hmm. you're saying? It's like yeah. far, far better rather than just say like, Hey, come in here and we'll translate what this guy says. Like it's yeah. better for us to come sit in a room and let's look at this yeah. story together. Like someone, exactly. unless the person can pre preach in deaf, mm -hmm. then yeah. I don't even know what that looks yeah. like. Yeah. Like, do they do that. I think well, I, I know of a couple churches that, that <laughs> the sermon is actually signed and there's a voice interpretation for people that don't sign. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my my home church is like that. And I think uh, so I, I think that's doable, but if the primary communication language is a voice language, you've already lost your deaf. I mean, mm -hmm. I, again, I'm not knocking interpreters. I love interpreters because right. they can do what I cannot do. Mm-hmm. But often we find out that deaf in a hearing service, even with phenomenally gifted interpreters, are only getting about 20% of what goes on in the service. Right. Yeah. That's the, like, and that might be the only access that deaf person has. So that's why it's not mm -hmm. a bad thing. But the best access that they're going to receive is if they have it in their language, in their visuals, mm -hmm. led by a deaf person who understands that. Exactly. And most times in deaf churches, you're going to like I my my church back home in Illinois is is a is a deaf church with a voice interpreter. And that's how it that's how it goes. And because so, that is sorry, it, it's a deaf church. Yeah. So so sign is the primary language. And then you have someone who auditorily speaks mm -hmm. it for. Yeah. And and in that sense, I could probably get a lot of it. Yes, because I, I can see. I can see the guy who's teaching and the expressions and stuff, but I'm hearing it and I kind of, yeah. and it works pretty well that way, but it does not work the other way. Is that what I understand? It, and that works well for deaf people who have hearing children. Mm -hmm. mm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it helped a lot. But I think even as a deaf, you know, a coda, like we loved going to deaf church because it was part of our, like, if you ask a coda who's really involved in the deaf world, you're going to notice that they count themselves half deaf and half hearing. Mm. And there's this struggle of 
where do I go? Which it, which yeah. world am I in? <laughs> you know, like, and the, I mean, that was a struggle I had growing up until about college when it was just like, no, this is who I am. And like, mm-hmm. it's, we, we call it our, you know, like we're half deaf in a sense, culturally we are half deaf mm-hmm. and we want to be a part of that because we love it. Like, I love going to my mom's side of the family because it's a whole different whole ball game and it's fun. It's and, awesome. and you're back home, aren't you, Tyler? It feels like home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Not to say my hearing family at home because they are too, but like there's just something different. It's just different. It's hard it's to different. describe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, would, I would think like, you know, if you've spent so many years overseas, like where you were, James, like if you spent, if you grew up in that culture, being mm-hmm. American and that people group, you're going to realize that you feel half culturally that people group and half mm-hmm. American. So it's mm-hmm. like, how do you figure out what to do, where to go? You know, but like yeah. once you go back, you're going to feel like, ah, I'm home. Mm-hmm. So, I have really yeah. been missing this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like for the, I feel like for the missionary. And then I want to ask you another language question. I feel like for the missionary, my own personal experience is like, you can look at me and you you can know that I'm not East Asian. But when you look at me, you assume I'm American. That's not true either. And where I really find my people is when I'm hanging out with other missionaries because mm-hmm. we all have the same story. So, like it's a different country. It's a different, but you know, it's a shared, mm-hmm. shared experience. And so I would assume it might be something like it's, that. It's very similar very to that. Like, I mean, if you find another missionary in a room full of non-missionaries, what are you guys mm-hmm. going to do? Oh, we're going to chat. Imagine a deaf person finding another deaf person. Imagine mm-hmm. a hearing person mm-hmm. finding another hearing person in a sea of deaf people. Mm-hmm. Same concept. Well, Tyler, I think that's a great place for us to cut us, cut it off here today. Man, there's a lot of good stuff there. Definitely. I got so excited about it. So I I can't wait to hear what you did for the second second part of this episode. Well, next time we're going to jump in, we'll talk a little bit. Uh, the interview next thing we're going to talk about is uh, being a CODA which is Mm -hmm. you, a child of deaf adult. So uh, jump in and we're going to keep rolling along with this thing. Yeah. I'm excited. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.